Hello, I'm Colin Williams. And I'm Ian Rowlands. And welcome to Beneath the Stream, a podcast about the human experience in the non-human world. We're in the mountains of Asturias. Ian, we're recording this in the open air. The world seems in profusion here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm not, it's a long time since I've been somewhere so biodiverse, so rich in species, so fecund, so alive. So there's butterflies everywhere. There's all manner of wildflowers, some of which I can name, many of which I can't. Uh, blue skies above us, birds. It's, it's an awesome place. Yeah, and great great rocky crags rising above us here you could you may be here in the background there's a river down in the valley below rushing we're we're holed up in the shade here because the the sun is punishing um just a few feet behind us uh, and in front of us is is uh, is the sun and we've we've sat in that for a while and it's too hot yeah <laughs> we've had to we've had to come into the shade but as you say lots of wildflowers there's 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 red clovers white clovers um herb robert is there there's buttercups we've seen hellebores we've seen uh, self-heal uh, as you say all manner of, of flowers and uh, we, we can't name them all um, but we're here in the mountains of Asturias in northern Spain and um, we're very close to the Camino de Santiago um, the great um, Christian trail of pilgrimage that uh, goes all the way from southern France um, all the way across to um, Santiago de Compostela in, in Galicia and and so I wanted to take this opportunity for us to um, have a conversation in this podcast about pilgrimage. Mm, interesting. When I say that word Ian, what, what springs to mind when I say pilgrimage? Well it has faith-based connotations for me mm. um, but I guess in a way um, in my head it usually implies some uh, some suffering some endurance some quest for uh, an ultimate destination some meditation on the journey along the way and uh, a chance to reconnect with yourself with your god with your um, values should we put it that way that's a, is that a broad enough definition yeah no and I, and I think it'd be great if we could cover a few of those things today mm. we started um um, the journey on this podcast, may, maybe when we're when we're back in Oviedo, um, which is the kind of, um, I guess it's the regional city uh, of Asturias. Um, in the square there, there's the Cathedral of San Salvador, um, which is a great a great waypoint on the Camino de Santiago for for Christians. And of course, it, it's also the Camino de Santiago has, has, has now expanded its meaning and expanded its um, appeal to not just Christians and those people walking um, the way to Santiago de Compostela but also for anybody seeking adventure and a, and a long walk hmm. um, it, it's become a place to come and this this Camino de Santiago as much as it's a, a great symbol of of this podcast on pilgrimage that we're recording um, I didn't want to focus just on Christian pilgrimage and 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 other routes of faith-based pilgrimage, but I wanted to, as you say, talk more broadly about what pilgrimage means in today's world, because lots of people of no faith can talk about being on a pilgrimage hmm. um, to somewhere. I want to kick off with one thing that you mentioned, which was it being about the journey and about discovering yourself. And I've got a quote here from um, Frédéric Gross, the French philosopher, in his book, A Philosophy of Walking. He says, None of your knowledge, your reading, your connections will be of any use here. Two legs suffice and big eyes to see with. Walk alone across mountains or through forests. 
You are no body to the hills or the thick boughs heavy with greenery. You are no longer a role or a status, not even an individual, but a body, a body that feels sharp stones on the paths, the caress of long grass and the freshness of the wind. When you walk, the world has neither present nor future. That's wonderful, isn't it? What do yeah. you make of that? Yeah, I, I, I was uh, actually I was struck as he was talking on what a physical uh, projection that is. Really, you're feeling the stones, you're feeling the grass, and in a way, it's sort of bringing senses alive. Which is an interesting contrast to how I, I've walked some sections of pilgrimage and, and, and done long distance walks with people, and uh, and often you're almost. Uh, separating yourself out from from the world around you it allows you to uh, your spirit or your mind to be somewhere else and it's a reminder that uh, walking the Camino it, it's it's a tough process it's mm. a grueling process you'll feel the physicality of it you'll be connected with the land that you're on and I like that thought and so for pilgrimages um, whether faith-based or any other type of pilgrimage which we'll talk about later it, is it is it the destination or the journey then? Yeah, I'm sure it's the journey. Yeah, sure. it's very interesting. I once uh, walked with a, uh, a well-known spiritual figure in the UK, Satish Kumar, mm. and a uh, former Jain monk. Long history, too too long to relate really in this podcast. But he was walking um, Green Lane and pilgrimage routes across Wales, and uh, and I, I was a young innocent, knew nothing of these things, but happened to be living in Mid Wales at the time, and somebody said. We're inviting Satish Kumar, mean, mean, nothing to me. Would you meet him and walk a section of the route with him for a day? And I, young, obliging, gullible, gormless, all those things, agreed to do it. And, and then met him about a day's walk from where I lived and walked the green lanes with him. And it was um, a seminal influence on the direction of my life just to have the time to walk. And the journey was itself not to get somewhere, not to be somewhere. Like when you're young, you're always in a hurry. You always got to be at the next place or everything's in a hurry. And just to measure the steps and take the time to be silent or take the time to talk with meaning. Um, it, it changed me a lot. So I, I, that thought resonates with me powerfully. How about you? Yeah, I, uh, for me, I think it's the journey. I think if it's, it, it's clearly, if it's a faith-based pilgrimage and there's some there's some pilgrimages that require the pilgrim to go through some suffering. There's the pilgrimage that happens in Ireland where you climb the hill mm-hmm. on, on your knees. Um, um, and there's certain parts of other pilgrimages where you need to, to do those things um, barefoot. And, and uh, there are so many across the world and all of them share some similarities, whether it's a Christian pilgrimage or something else. There's the Kumano Kodo trails in Japan the ancient pilgrimage routes that crisscross um, the largest peninsula in Japan um, and they're used to as uh, places to go to the sacred pilgrimage site of the Kimono Sanzan or the three grand shines of, 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 really. of Kimano. Um, the Via Francigena I think is how you pronounce it in Umbria in Italy is the common name of the ancient road and the pilgrim route running from France to Rome and Apulia uh, the ports of embarkation for the Holy Land there's the Pilgrim's Way in North Wales, which may have been part uh, yes, of the yeah, yeah. of the Green Lanes that, that that you walked, and it runs from 130 miles from Hollywell, um, the the Lords of Wales they call that, to Bardsey Islands, the the legendary island of 20,000 saints. 
none of those routes, um, and I could name more, the Mount Kailash circuit in Tibet, hmm. none of those routes um, are easy. Right. None of them are paved roads um, um, over flat ground. All of them have a sense that you are, you will have gone through something to arrive at your destination. Huh. And I think that's what people have in mind when they use pilgrimage in a, in, in a, in a not, in a not a religious context, a, a secular context, yeah, yeah. Or, or even even a context where they're not actually going anywhere. People can talk about. Uh, the writer Matthew Oates, um, uh, in a presentation, a talk I once heard him gave, talked talked about himself, referred to himself as a pilgrim, but but a pilgrim with no particular destination. Mm. He's in a he, he talked he talked to himself as a pilgrim in nature. Really, um, and so he was gathering all these things. He was learning all these things and perhaps learning things about himself. But he considered himself a pilgrim, even though he had no single destination. Huh. Um, uh, and, and I like that a lot. You talk a lot actually, I've heard you speak before about pilgrimage and journey and connecting those two often with uh, the migrations of of creatures, birds mm. in particular. You know, here yeah. we are sat and I'm listening to a little firecrest singing here and blackcap and, and these are both birds, uh, particularly the blackcap, that's journeyed from Africa to arrive here. Reference that a little bit because I remember you having some, some very interesting writing you've done on pilgrimage and migration. Yeah, that, that, that's right. It, um, I, th I think in the first instance there's that very familiar concept that many writers have written about, about a feeling connected to other parts of the world because of migratory birds. And I think that comes that comes home to roost, <laughs> uh, no pun intended. Uh, uh, that really hits home when um, you've also been to the places where where those let, let's use birds as an example, where those migratory birds either start their journey or are waypoints on their journey. Mm. So just as we've been to the Cathedral of San Salvador, and just as we've been to um, the the chapel at uh, Santa Cristina de Lena. Um, in each of those places, we saw swifts mm. and heard swifts mm -hmm. overhead. Um, who, at the time of recording, we're recording this in June. I guess it was about a month ago when they really first started arriving in numbers in the United Kingdom. Um, but you and I have, have both been to places um, in sub-Saharan Africa where those swifts begin their journey and where they they, they cross the desert and. As you go to each of those places, even if it's not on a single journey, you start to you start to link yourself with their journey, and you start to feel a bit of the um, distance and transcendental nature of what they do because they they they, they cross international boundaries. They um, they they move effortlessly across contested borders um, to. Um, to arrive bringing a message of their journey, uh, the, the invisible threads of migration that they draw across across the globe. Hmm. Um, but we, we, we come to, to know those and know something of them. Yeah. Um, in one piece of writing, um, and I talk about encountering a migratory bird on a boat in the ocean. Hmm. And so we, un we tend to grasp migration when it's about birds arriving in the place we live or birds leaving the place we live. 
um, but when you come across these migratory birds um, in such transient places so that, that all of my travels and that bird's travels came together in on this boat yeah. which was a tiny dot in a vast ocean and there we were sharing the space together on, on both of our journeys. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I find that, um, I find that quite, I, I struggle to put that into words, despite the fact I've written, <laughs> written about it. Um, it's, there's, some, there's some great, some great concepts there, some big themes to, to try I'm, and get I'm your a, head around. I'm aware you find that a very, um, and I think you, you're interested in the, the profundity of that, mm. and, and, which I like, and it's probably something I'm, I'm conscious of. And, and as a, if you're interested in the natural world, then the sense of things coming and going, their arrival patterns, the routes that they take, you're, you're tuned into that, I guess. But, but I'm aware that it's something that um, is a thread that runs through. And it's, it's fascinating that you were keen to explore pilgrimage here. Uh, and I think that, that there's a strong connection. And, and for me, that fascination between a, a very powerful link, tangible link with the other beings that, that we share the world with the exploration of what humans encounter on those journeys physically but also in, in an otherworldly sense the non-human world of spirit and thought and meditation and places that we would go to and connect with that we don't in everyday life as humans to start on those journeys on hmm. those pilgrimages I it's very interesting because I, I was rela relating it in a way to uh, to sleep now that's gonna sound odd but um, there are very few times when we step out of the busyness of, of, of thought and of connection we, we, we're just you know the mind is racing and processing data at a phenomenal rate even those of us slobbing on the couch in front of the TV you're, you're absorbing things and um, and sleep is one of those times when we stop doing it but we've come to view sleep as a function a recharging so we can get back up the next morning and do more of the same and I think that um, for me but I think for many people that one foot in front of the other in a rhythmic sense um, it almost has a you know sort of shamanic trance like quality it allows your your unconscious mind to unwind and you just step out of the everyday thoughts it's actually very hard I find sometimes when I'm walking the everyday intrudes and I have to make a conscious decision say yeah you've intruded thanks very much I'm going to put you back on the shelf and I want to be back in the place of non-thought or absorbing what I'm getting from the things around me uh, is that what you were getting at so so in asking my question about what drives us to set out on these journeys was I getting a sense in your answer that the, the, the very act of needing to walk and move over the land in order to be alone with oneself and to, to shift yourself away from all the things that might intrude on our mind. That's you're saying. That's one reason why people. I think it is feel the need to do it. I think it is, and I think um, unlike going for a walk, as the glib phrase has it, mm. you know, going on a, a pilgrimage. You know, it, it's a little bit like um, 
it's like starting a ceremony with lighting a candle, isn't it? It's, it's actually, you know, if you decide to do something, I'm going to relax, what I'll do is I'll light a candle, or I'm going to, you know, observe my faith, and the first thing I'll do is light a candle, or I'm going to do some meditation, or I'm going to light a candle. You're, you're cueing the, yourself, your soul, your mind. We're going to do something different here, and this is what we're doing. And I think, I'm guessing that the word pilgrimage which clearly has long roots in faith, but it's still a thing that we, a bit like the word retreat, it's now, it's a trigger word and it's telling yourself, this is different, this is special, this has meaning, this is where I'm going to encounter something beyond the everyday in, in my world. I, I, I can tell I'm speaking personally here, but I, I, I do have a sense of that. And then I think there's, um, there's acts of walking, which uh, A, free the mind, but B, have a physicality to them that you touched upon earlier, which is, you know, those people that do pilgrimage barefoot. Mm. You know, so you're actually feeling the, the you know, feeling the land beneath your feet, not just, you know, rubber or leather or whatever it is that our feet are in contact with. You're not just crossing it. Exactly that, you're, yes. Yeah. You're, you're encountering it. move sideways a little bit mm-hmm. from that and accepting that you and I both believe that the the real point of pilgrimage the real power in pilgrimage is the journey I do want to play with um, the destination a okay. little bit as well I've never been on a faith-based pilgrimage I don't feel a need to go on a faith-based pilgrimage um, but I have been on lots of pilgrimages okay yeah I have been to see the grave of John Clare in, in the graveyard at Helpston in Northamptonshire in the United Kingdom. I've been to the Brill Building on Broadway um, to stand outside it and have my picture taken. And my wife had to take a picture of me standing outside the doors of the Brill Building because that is where, where so many great rock and roll songs have been composed. So Holland Dozier Holland used to work in the Brill Building. Goffin and King worked in the Brill Building. I think Elton John worked in the Brill Building for, for a short amount of time. Just these people churning out, churning out hit after hit after hit, uh, all which music is so important to me. I wanted to go to the place where it was created. While I was in New York, I dragged my wife all the way down to Greenwich Village so I could stand outside the Café Wah, where <laughs> Jimi Hendrix was first discovered um, and and brought back to the UK to you know to be launched on the world. And and I, yeah, and I had my picture taken outside of that as so, well. So you've dragged her around. I'm just curious to know has she dragged you anywhere? No, not at all. <laughs> she has no... Not at all. But interesting, while we were in New York City, um, we, did go to, um, we did go to Ellis Island, um, where, um, where my wife's great-grandmother and great-grandfather were Sicilian um, um, immigrants into the United States um, in 1905-1906. In and so we did go to a place right. that, that, that had some roots for her. And I, I've also, in, in other places, been to the Black Hill in Wales, where um, Bruce Chatwin's novel on the Black Hill yeah, was set, yeah. a novel that's really important to me and that I love dearly. Um, I felt I needed to go to the place where um, that novel, where that novel breathed for me, and I could I could get a sense of what Bruce Chatwin was trying to capture um, in his novel. So I've never been on a faith-based pilgrimage, 
but I've been on lots of pilgrimages. So, and I don't know whether you feel the same about places like that. I don't know if you ever feel as if you need to set off and go to places like that. But what do you think makes people go to these places and want to experience? Well, I'm going to throw that right back at you. Yeah. Because because I think I've done less of that. I'm, I'm, I think I've got some examples, but I'll come to in a minute. But but you've just described them actually with an enormous amount of glee in your voice. Mm. So they clearly, why did you do that? What what did it mean afterwards? Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, talking about the Brill Building on New York's Broadway. Actually, you're right, what does that picture mean? Now I've got that photograph, it sits on my, sits, you know, as a bundle of zeros and ones on, on my computer. <laughs> you know, I've perhaps looked at it another four or five times since I took it, um, or since it was taken. Um, and I still have all the music that was created at the Brill Building, which potentially means a lot more to to me than than that photograph. Um, Did you become more holy as a result? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, clearly, I'm, well, clearly, I'm playing with you there. But did did you? Uh, let's say in a pilgrimage, and you go to the relics of a saint, mm. and you're you're anticipating some of that holiness, some of that virtue, some of that. Uh, religious zeal, whatever it is, will will rub off on you. Yeah. So were you, were you, were you clutching well, at some talent there, and uh, and it's going to? Well, well, no, right? Well, not not at all. Uh, um, and I suspect you knew that was going to be the answer when uh, when ta- talented man you are, Colin. You didn't need to do that when, when you asked it. But just somehow having being able to know and say that I was at the place where those things took root and those things happened. Um, I guess it's the same reason why people go to um, battlefields mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. understand that what was once just a story yeah. or was once just a description on yeah. a page, there's some. It has some corporeality that yeah. that, that there's a, there's a real landscape underneath that story and a real place and and so I suppose in going to places like Greenwich Village to you know stand at the site where Hendrix first kind of did his thing mm-hmm. um, and it is to is to give it some context is to give it some some reality that before to me was just a place where was just a story on a page I, I, and I think that's a really interesting and I'd not thought of it before and it's really interesting you've gone on to the, the battlefields example because um, you know like you probably an arch sort of anti-war person but in um, in sort of I suppose in in honour, in memorial, in avowing never to let it happen again, in um, in understanding the true horror that our forebears went through, uh, rightly or wrongly. I've also been to those First World War battlefields in order to stand there and sample something, to touch something, to feel something more profound for the same reason i had that experience in auschwitz you know it's um it drives that feeling that belief deep into every cell of your body almost like it can't then be forgotten or extracted or removed or ever uh, negated in in some form so uh, that's perhaps how i see it so it's very interesting i hadn't thought you'd go in that direction with that so i i understand as well i was in denmark recently in copenhagen and uh 
a lot of people make the pilgrimage there to the Niels Bohr Institute if they're interested in quantum physics. Yeah. Now, you know, yeah. I am interested in quantum physics. Would never think of going to stand uh, on the site, you know, where the, yeah. the, the birthplace of quantum physics took place. But it clearly, for some people, had that same power, that same importance. Yeah. Well, and I think you touched on something there that, that's really important and, and which we which we mentioned earlier when we were talking about birds and migration is crossing points. These places are crossing points. And if you were to do any faith-based pilgrimage or you were to go to any of the places we've talked about, or if we would go to the places that you and I adore going to, like uh, to, to, see, um, to see Paleolithic rock art, mm-hmm. Um, and see very, very ancient um, burial sites. Um, we're not only um, connecting ourselves with the place; we're also connecting ourselves with everyone that's been before us. And in a, we 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 we're choosing to go to those places because there's lots of crossing points there. You know, I could go to Greenwich Village and talk about Hendrix, but I could my musical you know, desires and passions were slightly different. I could also go to Greenwich Village um, and talk about John Coltrane um, and, at, you know, at the Village Vanguard, which I actually also did go to, and I also had my picture taken outside of. But I could also talk about Joan Byers and Bob Dylan and all the people that have passed through there. Uh-huh. Um, and all the people, those people that walk the Camino are walking it in the company of every pair of feet that has passed by that way before yeah um, and and so you're connecting yourself with a much greater part of the human family as well as connecting with yourself I think. well there may or may not be something I guess in the quote coincidence the fact that many of those ancient rock art sites going back sort of you know 20 30,000 BC are on similar routes to the Camino you know, they're, they're, there's something yes. there perhaps and it is a very human centric view of our connecting with our forebears, connecting with the many pairs of feet, almost beyond imagination that they are the same humans as us. Um, but I guess that's what it is. I was going to touch upon actually the, the non-human, because those, those sites and I guess Santiago de Compostela has a, a significant non-human aspect to that, really. And, and but I, I didn't want to interrupt your your flow whether you had somewhere you were going with that, because because for me those places have a you know humans are it seems to me trying to connect with something else something other something beyond had a long career um, as as a wildlife guide and so you must have come across people who um, were for them they were making journeys of a lifetime to have a particular experience or or see a particular animal and actually you've you been there when people have, have said that that's why they're there or, or have you been there when they've seen it and what and what was their response yeah, and reaction and I, to I, that? and I have and I think that the, the most memorable of those will be when people burst into tears or fall silent and it's um, it's some connection with a particular creature they always wanted to make that was important and they didn't know why uh, and, and I, I, I like the notion of that and uh, that work didn't really afford the opportunities to explore very often 
why that creature? What did it mean to them? Was it just something they'd seen on TV, or was there some deeper resonance for them of that that place, that animal? What? Why were they drawn to it? Yeah. And of course, for some, it was much more banal. You know, it was like a, a shopping list of experiences that you know that money can buy you, I guess. But um, that's right. But for some people, I, I would bundle a lot of those things into the into the pilgrimage bucket. Right. Okay. But because I guess for a lot of people who who for whom it was a struggle to find them get the money together to be able to make these journeys um, and to finally see that thing whether it's a, a great migration across the Serengeti or whether it's seeing a seeing seeing a great ocean mammal like a like the blue whale mm. something they badly wanted to do and it required sacrifice to do it and sacrifice to get there and they, they needed the time and, and I and I so, so for me I, I think for a, many people that goes into the same category as pilgrimage so i had it's interesting there was a number of words you used then i was were in in my head at that point as you were speaking and i was thinking that's uncanny but uh, we're in tune as broadcasters mm, got a bit. Absolutely. so um blue whale you mentioned and um so just a little blue whale anecdote which was definitely a form of pilgrimage mm-hmm. for me was that when my father retired um he approached me and said let's do something together you and i it was very generous and, and thoughtful thing and uh and he and i had always wanted to see a blue whale you know him taking me to the natural history museum age six or seven and seeing the replica blue whale in, in london and uh always wanting to see one and so we planned the tour it was pre-internet days lots of phone calls to agencies in california and it was a journey down to mexico and all the preparations in hand and we left family behind and 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 off we flew and uh, you fly to San Diego and then there's an internal flight in Mexico and we're there oh California and as we took off and over Tijuana um, the oxygen masks all dropped in the plane and the plane started to nosedive down and the pilot took the plane out away from the land and over the sea and there was no screaming or panic but everybody went very pale and, and I I kind of looked across at my dad and we, you can't say anything, you've got the master. And I remember thinking, but I haven't seen a blue whale. <laughs> that, was, that was the first thought that went through my head. So there was a, you know, a, a, a pilgrimage, a mission, mm. almost paid the ultimate sacrifice yeah, to, yeah. to go and see that, that yeah. blue whale. And when we did see blue whale, I remember he and I being quite speechless, struggling to, to capture what that meant. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it chimed with what you were saying. It made me think about it. And so I want to bring us full circle start talking about the journey again and, mm-hmm. and the importance of the journey I've been reading um, recently about the story of the Northwest Passage and the many of the failed 19th century attempts to um, find the Northwest Passage particularly most famously with uh, the John Franklin mm. expedition and, and the ship Erebus and I was reminded um, in in the book that in, in Michael Palin's book uh, about Erebus and the story of that, that there's a great folk song which which I was which I was well aware of, um, and it's a Canadian folk song called the Northwest Passage by 
by a, a folk singer that the Canadians hold in great reverence, a man called Stan Rogers. I came to this song via uh, another route, uh, a, uh, a reinterpretation of the song by, by, by another group of musicians. Um, but the last verse of the Northwest Passage um, says this, How then am I so different from the first men through this way? Like them, I led a settled life and I threw it all away. To seek a Northwest Passage at the call of many men, to find there but the road back home again. And it's that last line um, that these great journeys, um, and I'm keen to hear what you, how, how you feel about this, these great journeys in search of ourselves, in search of something, often um, bring us in a circle mm. and often bring us back to more familiar places that perhaps then we see with new eyes. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's a very true sentiment, as travel does generally, I think. Um, but travel with a purpose and a pilgrimage, for sure. Um, I, I've I've come back from um, things that I dreamed of doing or long meditative practices, and often very glad to return home. Often appreciating what I had and what I have, and savouring every taste of it, every feel of it, every satisfying, relaxing, embracing calm of it. Because often these journeys are quite troublesome um, and I do think it makes you I'm going to use the phrase view life differently those seminal moments can change your perspective as a shift goes on and then everything in life that you view in a different way after that would you agree mm, I do um, and I wanted to finish with a quote which kind of supports what, what you're saying there um, Kind of supports the idea that um, even though we talk about pilgrimage as individual events, those things become for those of us that are seeking new experience and new things and to understand ourselves and especially our place in the non-human world better, that all those travels and pilgrimages tend to coalesce within us. Um, and we're on a constant pilgrimage. And, and I, there's a quote um, by a man called Michael Mead um, who, wrote, who wrote a book called Fate and Destiny, The Two Agreements of the Soul. And he said this, a true pilgrimage requires letting go of the very things most people try to hold on to. In seeking after what the soul desires, we become pilgrims with no home, but the path the soul would have us follow. Hmm.